Before we jump in today's episode of the Gridiron Fantasy Show, I wanted to let you guys know about our brand new partnership with the DFS platform Parlay Play. Please use our code GRIDIRONFS for a 100% deposit match up to $100 plus a $5 free play game. Parlay Play is a new DFS platform. Much like Underdog, the more you put on your slip, the more you hit, the higher the multiplier is. So again, use our code GRIDIRONFS on Parlay Play. Wartenschlager to the sideline, caught first down. Woo! What a hit! Denzel Ward! You got barbecue back there? And you didn't invite me? Hurt my feelings! In trouble. Petras goes down. Aiden Hutchinson! He'll roll up on you folks and let you smell his cologne. Barrett looks. Welcome in to the Gridiron Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Paul. You can find me on X at Gump7285. Joined by my co-host, Derek. You can find him on X at D underscore Cook93. Back once again to give you some more Dynasty and Debbie content. It was a pretty damn good weekend of college football, I'd say. And looking at the slate we got ahead of us, we're in store for another great weekend. We did have a couple of upsets this past weekend. It's always fun to see those, as long as it's not your team getting upset, of course. How are you feeling tonight, Derek? Not too bad. Uh, here with you on, on Monday night around 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, you know, I'm just ready to talk more football, as always, brother. Uh, kind of alluding to what you said, this upcoming weekend looks like it's a, a pretty going to be a pretty good showcase. There's quite a few good games. Um, we talked a little bit before the show. I mean, it should be a damn good weekend of college football. Yeah, I cannot wait for it. I believe tomorrow is the initial college football rankings show. So the first time that the committee is going to release their top six, I assume. So that'll be very interesting to see how they have it ranked. Of course, we've been doing ours week in and week out to this point. So it'll be nice to see how ours match up against theirs. Go ahead yeah, and jump I just, in. I was gonna say I've, I've heard I've heard grumblings that there is a possibility Ohio State is number one because of their strength of schedule so far. I guess because of their resume is what I should say. Um, I'm I'm excited for it, man. What what's it at nine o'clock on Tuesday, nine Eastern time, or is it earlier than that? I think it's seven. Is it maybe? seven? Might be seven. I'm excited regardless, but I'm ready to jump in. Both feet out and ready to go. Yeah, let's hope Ohio State's not number one. They're not deserving. It'll be interesting to see how much they put, how much weight they put on that strength of schedule so far. If they'll be ahead of like a Florida State, possibly a Georgia. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. As, as long as we're in it, I'll be happy, which we should be. We're undefeated so far. By the skin of your teeth, but still counts, right? Survive in advance. We'll hey, go ahead and jump defense, right in this Defenses win it, man. Sometimes, yes, they do. We know about that. We'll jump right into some unfortunate dynasty news. As most know by now, Kirk Cousins did tear his Achilles, so he is donezo for the season. Unfortunately, we'll see 
what happens with him in the offseason if Minnesota decides to bring him back on a new deal, if another team takes a chance on old man Captain Kirk, or how this all plays out for him. But more importantly, I want to see what happens with Justin Jefferson this season. He does have a contract extension looming in the near future. Personally, I didn't think he was coming back before Cousins got hurt. And that the time he went out, they were one and four, I think. But they reeled off three straight wins. They're four and four. Right now, I believe they're in a wild card spot. So technically in playoff contention for the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what is done with Justin Jefferson and Dynasty right now on contending teams if they want to hold out and wait and see or if they want to ship him off and try to get another top-tier talent. Yeah, that'd be a tough decision to make. Um, you know, he's right up there, in my opinion, with Jamar Chase, you know, 1A, 1B, depending on who you got. So that'd be a tough decision. But if you're contending, you want to win now. I get it. Yeah, it would be hard to let go of him, but if you're a true contender in there for the title, see if you can get a Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, you know, someone else who's going to give you almost the same production, at least get you by this season. Yeah, if, if you, I mean, if you can go out there, and the whole point in fantasy, obviously, is to, to win money. I mean, fun, too, but is to win money, and if you feel like, you know, not having him is hindering you. And if you had somebody almost as productive, 95% as productive, you could win it all and push all your chips in and go get it. Absolutely. We know how hard it is to win in Dynasty outside of the startup season. When you got a chance, you know, year two, three, and beyond, you got to take that opportunity and run with it. And the worst thing you could do is be stagnant. Absolutely. I So I heard on a, I believe it was the DLF podcast, if I'm not mistaken. They said that there, someone heard it from a previous podcaster in the past, and he likes this motto, I guess you could say, that whenever you're contending and a trade goes down in your dynasty league, whether you're involved or not, or whatever the trade is, you're now one step behind because another team has made a move for one reason or another, and you're sitting there having done nothing at the moment. So yeah, they've, they've potentially closed the gap a little bit. Exactly. So that, I really like that saying. I'm definitely going to, I usually play by that. You know, I mean, if I see a trade done in my league, as soon as it happens, I look at it. I'm like, hmm, well, let me go and do better. But the let good me thing get about something else that can help me. Yeah, the, the good thing about an active and trading league is, you know, you can, obviously it makes it a little easier to make deals, but you can also get a feel for the market, you know, so. I, I, I hear you on that. You evaluate the trade and be like, okay, let's go for it. But the, the best right. thing you can do is, you know, look at the other team's needs when you're trying to come up with a trade. Exactly. Trading could be a lot easier, but some people just don't want to put in the legwork, don't want to put any effort. They just want to DM you. What do you want for this player you just put on the block? Well, I'm just I'm looking not- for some trade offers at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing all the groundwork for you, pal. If you want my high flyer, you're going to have to do some work. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and, and do it all. Exactly. And then another quarterback injury, Kenny Pickett is dealing with a rib injury coming into a short week. They do play this Thursday night. It looks like he is going to be out, and good old Mitch Trubisky rises from the dead once again, getting him one last opportunity as a starting quarterback. 
unfortunate for Pickett, but really you're not he's not a difference maker for you. I hope you're not gonna miss him too much as your quarterback too if you're even starting him. But unfortunate for him missing some time. Yeah, I mean it you you, you hate to see it. And you know, Mitch Trubisky, he's gonna fill in um admirably, I'm sure. Uh but you know, no no long term anything I'd say when it comes to Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I know I've got Kenny Pickett in the league, and when I, I think it was a startup league. Luckily, I drafted him as my QB three, but he turned out being my QB two because I think I drafted Trey Lance earlier. So, but yeah, if you've got Kenny Pickett as your QB, anything better than your QB two, I'd, I'd be thinking about changing some things up. Yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about that team. That would be very, very unfortunate. Yeah. Theme of this week for the dynasty segments really going to be quarterbacks. If you haven't noticed, some of our prior week takeaways are all surrounded by quarterbacks. Uh, Joshua Dobbs news came out today that he is not going to be starting this upcoming week. It will be either rookie Clayton Toon or the returning Kyler Murray. For whatever reason, that there's just speculation at this point. A lot of people think Joshua Dobbs is on the move in a trade, possibly to a Minnesota. Maybe back to Pittsburgh. But right now, he is no longer the starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, as well as he has played this season. Huh. You said uh, Joshua Dobbs. Mm. It's it's terrible. Mm. Not much to say about it, man. Um, Unfortunately, hopefully it's it's Kyler. But then again, um, you know, I I don't know what what they're doing down there. I don't know. Originally, it was that he wasn't going to play this upcoming week, and then it changed course. Uh, you At worst, he'd be the, the backup. Yeah, you would have thought I would that say. Would have, I would have tanked for Caleb. I mean, why Why not? But I definitely would be playing Kyler, whether I'm tanking for Caleb or rolling with him in the future. That's only going to hurt your draft pick. Yeah, you I, got the I, Texans out there winning a few games, hurting your other draft pick. Now you're going to do what the Broncos did yesterday and just shoot yourself in the foot by trying to win some games. Right, Be- beating up on Kansas City. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would be, like you said, I'd be rolling with Toon. Um, to me, it makes no sense though, Kyler out there. Just protect your, your draft capital at this point. You're basically playing for nothing this season anyway. You know, just, just protect your D.C. Exactly. No, no reason to win some games. Don't be an Arthur Smith. Win enough to keep the keep the franchise out of getting an elite talent. But we'll move on to another quarterback benching. This one actually happened during the game. Desmond Ritter was benched for Taylor Heineke. A little bit surprising. I didn't expect that to happen, although that's always been a possibility week in and week out with Desmond Ritter and the way he plays. Not so great in that offense. So another unfortunate benching at the quarterback position. I don't think Heineke's going to do anything different than Ritter. It's not going to be any better for Pitts and London and Bijan, in my opinion. Yeah, this one makes less sense than the one that happened on the other side of the ball. Um, I I don't get it. You know, Desmond Ritter, it's his first career or first season starting in the NFL. Uh, you're going to have some up and downs, obviously, and – you know, like you mentioned earlier, I don't think either of us are big fans of Arthur Smith at this point. It just, I don't get it. This is a, 
you know, at best a marginal upgrade. I don't even know if I would call Heineke an upgrade over Desmond Ritter, but he did come in and play better. Um, but I, I like Ritter better anyways. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's just unfortunate for him. And they've won a handful of games this year, and they're going to continue to win a couple of games here and there. Probably pick around you know 8 to 10 like they have the past two years. And again, not going to be able to get that quarterback that they need more than likely. Unless, like we've seen mocked, you know, J.J. McCarthy, someone like that on the outside looking in of the top two quarterbacks, according to the NFL, being Caleb Williams and Drake May falls to them. But who knows if they'd even pick him. They've needed a quarterback for the last handful of years, and they've obviously won against the grain. Yeah, I mean, they currently sit at 4-4. Four and four. Uh, That's kind of how I anticipate their season to end is right around 500. I think they were – uh, nine and eight or eight and nine last year. I can't remember which which side the nine was on, uh, but I anticipate same thing this year. You know, I, they yeah they needed a quarterback in the past. They signed Mariota. They picked Ritter. It just I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the what the hell they're doing. Uh, I, I would like the JJ pick. A couple of the mocks that we've seen the JJ pick to me makes a lot of sense. I'd be happy if I was JJ with the weapons he would have down there, and I think he'd be an immediate improvement year one over either the two guys they've got currently. Can't argue with you on that one. We'll move on to round one of the top two picks in the 2023 NFL draft facing off. We had CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young this weekend. It was a it was a barn burner man whopping 15 to three between these two high flying offenses. Uh, Bryce Young actually outplayed CJ Stroud. A surprise to most, including myself. Better stats. He looked better on the field to the eye test. He looked like the better quarterback on this day. Yeah, he he absolutely did. Um, this game in particular kind of fucked me up on quite a few uh, bets that I had for NFL. You know, I, I picked money lines on the Texans on pretty much every single bet, and I I didn't see this one coming. Um, especially, like you said, Bryce Young outperforming. C.J. Stroud, and, and really it wasn't close. Uh, Bryce Young went out there and looked like he was a calm, cool, collected, poised veteran quarterback, and, and C.J. Stroud, quite frankly, did not. Uh, the Houston Texans offense couldn't really get rolling on anything, to be completely honest. They just looked abysmal out there. Miko Collins didn't find pay dirt. Tank Dell only had three catches for 16 yards. On his uh, birthday, just, too. Yeah, just it just wasn't a good day for the Houston Texans overall on offense. Nobody really got going. I guess the only good thing is C.J. Stroud didn't throw any interceptions. Yeah, but 140 passing yard is not going to get the job done, which it did not. I did lose a, a decent little bit of money. I had lots of Nico Collins over four and a half receptions, Tank Dell over three and a half, and I had plenty of C.J. Stroud over like 238 pass yards and one and a half passing touchdowns and none of them hit on absolutely anything. Unfortunate, but he'll bounce back. But I think we can pump the brakes a little bit on him being a surefire top 10 quarterback. Like he's been touted the last handful of weeks. So I mean, he's a little bit too early on that. I, it's it's definitely too early. Um, I, I definitely think he's, you know, top 14 at this point, top 12 at this point, maybe. Uh, but I'm I'm not there to put him top ten yet. I still think he's got a little bit to prove. He's again he's, he's still a rookie, 
I would expect a couple more of these games this season and potentially a couple next year as well. It's it's too early. We'll move on to the star rookie quarterback of the week. Ooh, well, Mayo and Mike Hoffey Levis. Boy, did he come out of guns a-blazing showing he can actually play some damn football, man. Let's look at these statistics here. 19 of 29 for 238 and four tutties. No picks. Quarterback six on the week. And, and he had some dimes down the field, too. And hit DeAndre Hopkins for three of his four. Um, and Will Levis, I mean, bravo, kid. Mayo and the coffee obviously works. Um, and he, he just had himself a ball game. I'd, I'd love to see it. Makes you think or wonder why the hell he fell down the draft board. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing to see. A lot of people are throwing him away already, being a second-round draft pick. Malik Willis did get a carry and fumbled the ball, unfortunately. So who knows how much playing time he would have gotten. Supposedly the plan was to see both quarterbacks, which technically we did. But I feel like we probably would have seen a little bit more Malik Willis if he didn't fumble the ball away. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be able to, to you know, hold on to the football and a big part of your game is being an elusive mobile quarterback. You, you can't be giving the ball away. You can't be a risk. Especially when Vrabel is your head coach. Yeah. He's kind of old school, more traditional. He wants you to not turn the damn ball over. Exactly. And Titans are still hanging around. I believe they're going to, they are three and four now, if not yes. four and four. So still hanging around playoff contention like they have pretty much since Brable's been there. Unfortunately yeah. for another fantasy hopeful, Traylon Burks, he only had two targets and didn't catch either of them. Mm. So that sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, Nick Westbrook and Ke- whatever the hell you say his third name, um, also only had the other other touchdown how we how I said earlier Hopkins had the three he only had one catch 33 and a touchdown uh anybody else besides those two in the last name of Derrick Henry or name of Derrick Henry didn't really do much on this this team offensively um I expected honestly Traylon Burks to have a a pretty big year this year and kind of fallen on his face so far for the most part you know pretty pretty under underperforming under underwhelming Granted, he has been nicked up once again, so got to cut him a little bit of slack with that. But I was really hoping for a breakout this year as well. And at this point, it's tough to see it happening, depending on how healthy he's going to be going forward, how quickly they work him back into the offense, and honestly what their plans are for him at this point. Yeah, I mean, year two, you'd expect to see some type of progress. And and like you said, cut him a little bit of slack. He's been injured. He was injured rookie year. He's been injured, nicked up a little bit this year as well. But uh, at some point, you got to, you know, start figuring out what the hell is going on and why is he not able to perform? Why does he keep getting injured? What's 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 going on? Exactly. That leash is getting short is what I'm getting at. Of course. With that being said, Will Levis is one of my top risers of the week actually getting out there starting and playing pretty damn well for someone that a lot of people have written off and want nothing to do with. I had two shares of Will Levis on in Dynasty so far, and as soon as he hit that first 53-yard tutty to, to, to sorry, DeAndre Hopkins, 
I put them right on the block right away. We got nothing besides the little interest hearts on Sleeper, but he's out there up for grabs to see what kind of offers are going to pour in for him. I would, I would expect that if you know he puts up another decent game, doesn't have to be the same thing. Four touchdowns, no picks, two hundred and what ninety yards or whatever again. But if he puts up another three touchdown game, two hundred and fifty plus yards, I'd say uh, people will be flooding the inbox. I sure hope so. Not dead set on moving him, but I'm going to field some offers to see what the current market is in each league and go from there. Be a smart man, too. Can't be too stagnant. You never know. Anybody's, everybody has their price. Anybody's for sale at any given time. Since we're on the topic of risers, a couple of tight ends here. First, Dalton Kincaid. On Thursday night, he had a Pretty damn big game, 65 yards and a touchdown on five receptions. Back-to-back weeks of putting up 17-plus PPR points. Previous week, he had eight receptions for 75 yards, finishing tight end seven and six on the weeks. I think he has finally carved himself out a nice little role in that offense, although Dawson Knox is injured at this time, I believe. But this is why they drafted him. Gabe Davis got his last week. Uh, Stephon Diggs didn't do what he normally does, but he had 12 or 13 PPR points. And then Dalton Kincaid still did this. So Josh Allen can support three you know, relevant receiving options, I believe. And I'm excited to see what Kincaid does the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, I, I believe that that high-powering, high-power passing offense can sustain three uh, receiving options. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's a little bit looking offense to what the Kansas City Chiefs use. It seems like they just, you know, it's all Travis Kelsey, and then whoever's in second and third place just depends week to week. Um, there's obviously a pecking order in, in Buffalo for Josh Allen, but yeah, I, I think Dalton Kincaid can be um, he's, he's moving up mine as well. I think he's a you know, top eight, top ten tight end. Absolutely. And another tight end, Trey McBride. Zach Ertz landed back on the injured reserve. And McBride took McBride, <clears throat> excuse me, took advantage of that. Went out there and got himself 25 and a half PPR points. 10 catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown on 14 targets. Whoever the quarterback is for the Cardinals next year is going to have a nice young up-and-coming tight end to throw to alongside Hollywood Brown and whoever else they get at the receiving court. I'm probably equally as excited for McBride as I am Kincaid at the moment. I might be more excited about McBride. He's, uh, I shouldn't say finally, because he's. I don't think he's quite there yet, but I know he had a lot of buzz coming in. Um, was that two years ago? Um, the year that, you know, our boy Isaiah likely came into the league. I know that you... You and I kind of put our mic on Isaiah Likely. You turned him on to me, and so you know we we put him as our tight end one for that class. But McBride might have something to say about that, considering it seems like he's getting the opportunity now, like you said, with Ertz's injury. Um, and then he, he's young, man. But fourteen targets for the young guy—that's uh, that's phenomenal. Love to see it for any tight end. That's 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 a lot for a tight end. Absolutely, it is. It's going to be fun watching these two young tight ends going forward and seeing how they're valued in the off season as long as they continue to play well. And my one faller for the week is your boy, 
Tony Pollard. Oh, my boy. Your boy. Mm. Is it because he we'll plays see. for my team? Or is it because I'm, I'm not the biggest Pollard fan? Well, the whole uh, narrative surrounding him, he's going to be the workhorse, get the workload. He was painted to be Mr. Consistency and Mr. Top 5 running back. Currently he was certainly in drafted that way. Yeah, drafted. Redraft wise, he was drafted in the first round, second round, and most of them. I mean, right now, he is running back 15 in PPR, which is not bad whatsoever. But with the narrative surrounding him, that's that's terrible in my opinion. We're expecting a top 10 locked and loaded running back. It seems like you know he's had four good weeks and three bad weeks. He either pops or he doesn't. There's there's no in between right now. He also has zero rushing touchdowns on the season. That uh, he has two rushing touchdowns. Yep, came in week one. Oh, you're correct. I'm looking. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong stats. He hasn't been able to find the end zone whatsoever. Other than those two week one, even receiving wise, no receiving touchdowns. Receiving work has been decent, but same thing. It's either he gets really good work or he gets three three targets. Again, no in between. He's either really great for you or he's really bad for you. He's got 26 receptions on the season and what they're eight weeks in. I mean, that's that's about three a game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not what we expected. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't expect that out of a guy who's being drafted in the you know, top six of, of redraft leagues. I mean, to me, I would I would expect like Saquon Barkley rookie year numbers for that. Absolutely. RB fifteen is a, is a top six pick. Does not seem doesn't make sense. No, you could have gotten another running back that's giving you similar production for much much cheaper. I did try to acquire Tony Pollard in a couple different leagues and was had the door slammed in my face, and I'm glad at this point that it was. Because I'd be very disappointed moving anything valuable for him at the moment. I feel like a lot of people, um, I guess misconstrued might be the right word, but um, maybe more like misinterpreted. But re- regardless, they you know anticipated Tony Pollard to hit the ground running. And week one, sure enough, he did. Like you said, he had his two rushing touchdowns on the year, but he hadn't had any rushing, hadn't had any touchdowns since. Um, you know, he's just not doing what people anticipated, which I feel like the writing was on the wall. He was extremely efficient with having Zeke with him the last several years. Uh, he's currently averaging 3.9, 3.9 yards per carry on the ground. I mean, not saying that's terrible, but, you know, I think four for me is that number anyways. But he's he's not what I think most people anticipated, but I felt like the writing was on the wall for him. And then, again, the kid's 26 years old. He's not – it's not like he's 22, 23. He's – He's 26. He's getting getting close to that, what, 27, 28-year age cliff for a running back. Granted, he plays the position a little differently. He's got pass-catching pass chops, but, you know, I'm I'm unimpressed. I'm glad that I didn't I didn't fall on the on the nail on this and jump all over him and spend crazy money and crazy draft capital trying to get him because it obviously hadn't panned out. Yeah, lucky you. I didn't either. I was all hands off of him with the hype around him and the way he was ranked and his price. And rightfully so at this point. We knew coming of- into this year that Mike McCarthy wanted to slow down the offense and run the ball more, pass less. But even then, 
I mean, he has two games of 20-plus carries, being two of the four best games he's had this season so far. But it's not like he's getting 15-plus carries a game. Right. He might be getting 15 touches a game. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Kellen Moore. He was the OC last year, right? He left this season. Yep, with the Chargers. Yeah, so I think a lot of people forgot about that as well because Kellen Moore uh, liked to get him involved in the passing game. It seemed like a lot more last year, and it, it hasn't been there this year. I feel like that was a, a big key cog to the the whole grand scheme of things as well. You know, this offense has changed a lot. I know the players didn't other than Zeke, but the offensive coordinator is different. This is a different scheme. It's, it's, it's different. It's not the same. It's a whole different philosophy. It's not what it was. That is absolutely correct. We'll close the book on Dynasty for this episode and open up the Golden Book of Debbie. We'll go go ahead and kick it off with a Week 9 preview and some of our bets that we are placing ourselves. And we'll start in the Longhorn State. The Kansas State Wildcats at the Texas Longhorns, number 7 and number 25. This one is going to be a fun one right now. Texas is favored by 4.5. Of course, now Malik Murphy will be starting once again. We saw what Kansas State did to Houston last week, blanked them 41-0. to They are getting hot at the right time. And we've seen this particular coaching staff beat Oklahoma three times in the past five years. I think it was 19, 20, and 22. So this coaching staff is capable of pulling an upset and beating the big dogs. Although I don't think that happens. But this should be a pretty good game with DJ Giddens, the running back for Kansas State. He's a young, exciting player to watch in the college game. Of course, we got Jonathan Brooks, the opposing running back on Texas, and Malik Murphy getting his second start. And hopefully he will play a smidge better than what he did last last week. Although after he did throw the interception, he had a 74% completion rate. So after he threw the pick, he definitely bounced back and handled himself extremely well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, what makes this game interesting, like you said, everything you said, but it's really Malik Murphy. If this was uh, Quinn Ewers playing and he was healthy, I don't think this is even a question mark on you know who wins. Um, you know, both both you and I are huge Malik Murphy fans, I'm, so I'm with you on the on the Texas win, and I think Texas covers as well. They're favored by a four and a half. I, I do think they cover, but I think it's going to be a hell of a game to watch. Everything you said, there's no point in saying more, but I, I do think it's going to be a hell of a game. Like I said, right now, Texas is favored by four and a half. I'm going to take that. And right now, their money line is at negative 198. So a little bit too high to you know, really get back any kind of meaningful return without hiking up the unit. But I will stick to the four and a half, and I think Texas will cover. I'm right there with you, buddy. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to bet on on Texas, like you said, for the for the odds reasonings. But uh, I will take the the Texas covering the spread. We'll shoot over. Good old Athens, Georgia. This is a pretty big showdown, and I think Georgia is going to be on upset alert this week between the hedges. We got number fourteen Missouri coming to town. Brady Cook, Luther Burden, Cody Schrader at running back, who has been extremely extremely good this season for Missouri. This is going to be another fun one. Georgia having that stout defense that they always have against the high-flying Missouri offense and Luther Burden. 
this one right now. <laughs> Georgia's favored by 15. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. The books are still looking at Georgia as that once dominant two-time national champion at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, I 15's a lot against Missouri. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at Bleacher Report, and 94% of the bets on the, on the spread is in favor of Missouri covering, and then also looking at you know season overall uh, record versus spread. Georgia is one and five, so obviously they they don't cover. I I think Georgia wins in a dogfight at Bulldogs, but I, I definitely think Missouri covers. I think this is a one score game. I think this is this is close. Yeah, I have Missouri covering their side of the spread right now. The over under is set at fifty six. I think I'm going to take the over on that one. I think Missouri can put up some points. Yeah, we saw, uh, I think Georgia put up 40 against Florida. Um, I, I think 56 is, is pretty low because I, I think Missouri, like you said, I think Missouri can put up 30 against the Georgia Bulldogs. Florida put up 20. 20? Was it 43-20 or was it 40-23? I can't remember, but Florida put no, up 20 or 23. I, I think Missouri can score 30 on, on Georgia. So 56 to me is low. But I think it's they cover. I Missouri covers the spread. I think Georgia still wins at the end, but it's not going to be a cakewalk or anything like that. It's going to be a tough game for them. It's going to be a good old classic cat and dog fight between the Tigers and the Bulldogs. Oh, absolutely. We'll go to the good old state of Oklahoma and Bedlam. In Oklahoma State this year, we got number 10, Oklahoma, coming off a loss to Kansas, which before that they came off a close upset by two points to UCF. So the Sooners are reeling, and I think the, the Cowboys oh, froze me for a second. The Oklahoma State Cowboys and good old Mike Gundy, I think they're going to knock him out in this one. Right now, Oklahoma is favored by six on the road. Of course, I'm going to take that and the money line for Oklahoma State and the over-under is set at 62. I'll take that as well for the over. I think this is going to be a shootout. It's going to be maybe the most fun game to watch on this slate. Yeah, I hate to keep agreeing with you, man, um, but I was I was thinking Oregon – or not Oregon, I'm sorry, that Oklahoma is going to be reeling as well. They're you know probably hanging their heads off that loss against Kansas and probably drop back-to-back weeks. Hopefully, make my four leg parlay for Texas getting back into the the playoff hunt a reality. So I, I think Oklahoma State wins. They're also at home, and the 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 over under at sixty two. I'm with you. I think there's gonna be some fireworks. Bang, 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 baby! They're the Cowboys for a reason. We're gonna see fireworks and gun smoke everywhere. Uh, I, I could see this being an eighty point over. I could see both teams combining for eighty points or more. Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma. The last three weeks, I was listening to Joe Clatt actually on this. They have let up 32 and a half points per game the last three weeks and 455 uh, yards of total offense. I think Oklahoma State's gonna gonna do that. Yeah, they're looking. I listened to his podcast from today actually, and he brought up that as well. And he said Oklahoma's looking like Oklahoma of last year, and that that's not a good thing. And no, sir, it is not. No, not 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 at all. You, I they, I thought they had their defensive questions uh, answered, but it, last three games it, it does not look that way. It's so not going to get I'm, any better with this one. Mm-hmm. Not to jump around, 
but I'm going to jump around. One of my biggest risers, he was a buy in my Debbie Buys and Sells on Destination.com two weeks ago. Good old Ollie Gordon, the running back for Oklahoma State. This is going to be the game that puts him on the map in the nation's eyes. He's been an absolute beast from week four on. Since week four, he hasn't had anything less than 121 rush yards. This past week, against Cincy, he had 271 and two touchdowns on the ground. Week before, 282 and four touchdowns against West V. Has put up over 500 yards and six touchdowns in two weeks on the ground. He's about 6'1", 210, 215. He's a load. He's explosive. He's right now, he's pushing for my RB3 in the 2025 class. He is a monster. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's hard not – I don't get how people can't have them on their on their radar considering what he's done the last two weeks. Like you said, 550-plus rush yards, six touchdowns. I mean, that's a – I mean, I know it's only two games. That's a hell of a two games. I, I don't think it slows down at all against Oklahoma. I don't think their defense fixes things, you know, from last week to this week. I could see the kid, again, going for 200-plus yards and a couple touchdowns. I'm, I'm hoping for it anyway, taking the Oklahoma State money line. So, uh, I'm with you, buddy. On the year, he's already got over a thousand yards, but he's averaging seven point seven seven point seven per rush. Now, two yards the first or two rushes in the first down. I'll take it. And he's proven he can be a workhorse. The last four weeks, he's had twenty one plus carries every game. So he's getting a lot of work, and he's doing it super efficiently as well. Move on to. The Pac-12 battle we've all been waiting for. Washington at USC. Talk about fireworks, my friend. We can say it all we want. I don't think we can curse this one with the way these teams play defense. I think it would be pretty damn hard to do that. Yeah, I'm looking at the over-under at 76 and a half, and I'm like, that's not not high enough. Uh, We need to get up in the 80s here. Not with what USC and Cal did this last week. I mean, shit, 99. I got Washington winning this one. They're favored by three and a half. I think they cover. I'll take that in their money line at minus 166. I'm fine with doing that. The over-under, it, it is, it's high for normal. But these teams aren't normal on offense. I will take the over on that one. I think this one, much like SC's game last week against Cal, both teams can get up in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's there's much disagreement for me. Um, you know, Michael Penix in this Washington offense hadn't looked the greatest the last two weeks. I know against was it, I can't remember if it was Arizona or Arizona State, they basically needed a pick six to seal that game away, one fifteen to seven. Um, I think to get right back on track, this USC defense is is absolutely terrible. Uh, USC is going to put up points in a hurry, but I I'm with you. I think Washington wins, and the spread's only three and a half. I think Washington can walk out of there winning by two scores. So far in the year, Washington is six and one against the spread. So it's probably yeah. the best bet you can make on this game. Yeah, I'll take that six and one on the spread. I'll absolutely take that, buddy. And I know I've said it about every game, but this one's going to be a fun one. LSU in Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Cool, Jaden Daniels, Heisman hopeful, has a legit shot to put his stamp on that race if he comes in and plays extremely well in this game and comes out with a W. 
Yeah, I think this is um this is gonna be his Heisman moment. You know, if he can go out there and beat Alabama and look good doing it, um, he would probably become the front runner. Uh, he's looked great all season. I know that they've got two losses, but uh, I don't think he's really had a bad game yet. Um, I, I'm all over LSU in this game. They're three and a half point dogs. Um, I, I think they cover that. I think they. I'll take the money line. They're plus one thirty. I'm going to LSU. They cover and 60 and a half. I, I think that I'm going to take over on that as well. I'm going to go LSU all the way and over on points. I'm with you on that one. I don't think Alabama's got the horses in them to slow down Jaden Daniels, stop Malik Neighbors, as well as emerging wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr., who is my second big riser of the week. He's shooting up draft boards, draft rankings. He's going to could possibly be a day two pick coming up in this NFL draft. He's no slouch. He's not as good as Malik Neighbors, but he is not that far off to me. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, we did a, a mock mock draft off of somebody's mock IRL draft with landing spots, and uh, you know I'm personally a huge fan of Brian Thomas. Um, they said he got picked. I think it was. His, last pick of the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 getting around that he should be a, you know, he's probably going to be a day two pick, and I'm here for it. Yeah, it would not surprise me whatsoever with how well he's played, and he is a true junior, so he would be an early declare. We all know how much everyone loves the early declares. <laughs> so yeah, far this season. I was I was just saying he's he's having a breakout season so far. Um, you know, he wasn't the hottest name coming in. Everybody anticipated Malik Neighbors to be be the guy and only the guy. Um they've I think Jaden Daniels' success has a lot to do with both of them being able to feast in this offense. Um if memory serves correct, I think Brian Thomas might actually be outperforming Malik Neighbors on the season. Maybe. I know touchdowns he's got him. He's got eleven touchdowns already in eight games. He has four games of two-plus touchdowns. Oh, buddy. Three 100-plus yard receiving games. He's sitting at 732 on the year, averaging 17.4 per reception. Standing in six foot, a little over 200 pounds. He's big, lanky, and fast. Since you brought that up, let's see what Malik's doing. He has had some huge games himself. No, Malik's got him in yards. He's got 56 yeah. receptions for 981 at 17 and a half yards per clip. About the same yards per clip. Brian Thomas, 17.4. Uh, but Neighbors only has nine touchdowns. I should, I'm should. i not saying only because it's only, but nine is less than 11. Um, so Brian Thomas is putting fine pay dirt more often, but Malik Neighbors is doing the damn thing. You know, more catches, more yards. Yeah, Brian Thomas is still a big play threat, and he's got a nose for that end zone. And being 6'4", you can toss it up to him, and he's probably going to come down with it more often than not. Absolutely. I think he fits our uh, wide receiver arch type a little better than, than Malik Neighbors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'll wrap up our Week 9 preview and a little bit of bets that we're going to place right here and now while on the show. He did with the risers. And next, just a couple of fallers for me. Uh, two wide receivers, 
Big Johnny Wilson, Florida State, been injured the last couple of weeks. But he's underperformed in my eyes compared to what he did last season. Keon Coleman walked into Florida State and ripped that alpha roll right away from him. He's been out-targeted more than him. I feel like he's been their main red zone target over the six foot seven Johnny Wilson. And I'm just not on the train that he is an NFL wide receiver. I'm just not there. Not an NFL wide receiver at all. Uh, nothing for fantasy. No. Oh man. Oh brother. This guy stinks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, I'm kind of echoing the same sentiment sentiment as you, um, you know, probably a little bit of the, I guess blinded because of Keon Coleman, um, you know, just being an absolute animal down there in Florida State. Uh, said it last time we talked. I think Keon Coleman is a, a bigger OBJ. I feel like, you know, it's kind of how he is. That's how I see him. He's in my eyes. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with you on Johnny Wilson. I was anticipating him, Hakeem Williams, and Keon Coleman to be absolute threats this year. And it seems, I mean, we've seen, you know, splashes of Hakeem Williams, but or Hakeem Williams, excuse me for mispronouncing his name. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of been the Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell show down there. That it has, and it's not going to change. Speaking of Jaheim Bell, we will talk about hearing him here in just a minute. My other follower is C.J. Williams, sophomore wide receiver for Wisconsin. He just hasn't been used, hasn't been played. Hasn't played very much when he has. He hasn't really gotten the ball. You and I both had high expectations for him transferring out of USC, possibly stepping into a starting role with Wisconsin immediately on a new up-tempo pass-heavy offense, and it has not been the case whatsoever. So for me, i got no choice but to knock him down my rankings a few pegs until we see him actually be involved in the offense and look like they want him out there. Yeah. I don't feel like he really um, had any cat, like any targets or anything in the first couple weeks of the season, which kind of surprised me, but you know, Tanner Mordecai being the starter also surprised me a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, we, I think we were saying it quite a bit over the off season that this, with this uh, Wisconsin team going to look a lot different, you know, they're going to be a more pro style offense. They're going to, you know, be, more 50 50 pass versus rush and it it hasn't happened um so i'm with you i don't necessarily think to a fault of his own but he's just not getting the opportunities up there in, in wisconsin I, I still think highly of him it's just you know if you're not putting thing anything on tape or filling up the stat sheets it's, it's hard to justify having you rank so high yeah as much as you you love a prospect or a debbie player get open your eyes at some point that's Perfectly fine to be wrong. Yeah, we can't always be right. If we were, we'd probably be analysts for somebody. Uh, that is true. That is very true. I actually have a faller. Oh, it's, it's probably going to be a bit of a hot take. Oh, hold on. Let me grab a blanket. Oh, looks like we have some more technical difficulties with Derek's Wiffy. Cutting in and out on me. Can you hear me now? I hear you. You're building the suspense by making the Wi-Fi go in and out. Who, who's this damn faller? I'm, I'm hitting the lag switch over here on the wall. You know, the good old Xbox days. Um, but my my faller currently is, is Xavier Worthy, brother. 
Now, why Xavier. in the hell was he falling? Xavier motherfucking worthy. Well, because I had him as my wide receiver two coming into the season, and quite frankly, he's not my wide receiver fucking two in Debbie anymore. You know, as you mentioned, Malik Neighbors, wide receiver two for me currently. Uh, Roma Dunsey, he's up there. He's overtaking him. Uh, I could say, I guess, Emeka Buka as well is also a faller, but I figured Buka hadn't seen a whole lot of playing time because I feel like he's uh, pulling his best JSN interpretation, but whatever. Uh, that's that what for. I've been hearing some rumors going around Columbus that that is what a lot of people think. It's not as serious as him missing this much time. It's more so I don't want to play. I don't want to get hurt. It would not surprise me, and I can't blame him with the quarterback throwing the ball. So, you know, we'll just I'll leave it at that. Uh, but, yeah, Xavier Worthy, I'm not necessarily anything of his own, but I anticipated huge things for him uh, coming into the season after the whole he had a broken hand last year. And, you know, I thought that he would kind of produce similar but even better numbers than his freshman year. It's not that he hadn't necessarily produced. It's just he hadn't done anything too crazy. You know, he's – his freshman year, he averaged 15 point yards a catch. He's currently at 13, a little bit better than last year because it was 12.7 yards a catch. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not super impressed, brother. I still think he's uber talented, but he's, he's fallen for me. He's still in my top six, but he's not number two anymore. Yeah, this, this 24 class is all over it's, the place at every position outside of tight end. Yeah, like a tight end, we got our big three. They're stable. They're Pretty much penciled in, in pen, permanent marker, good old Sharpie. Then we got Caleb Williams penciled in. Some have Drake May, some don't. Running backs are just, it's like we just threw some thumbtacks on a wrestling mat. They just went everywhere. Yeah, the running, I don't even want to talk about the running back room. I don't know what the hell is going on. And then the wide receivers outside of MHA is kind of the same for a multitude yeah. of different reasons. We got some playing extremely well. Neighbors and Franklin, Adunze. Oh, that's the other one. I forgot Franklin. Yeah. We got Worthy and Ibuka. Not so well. We got Kean Coleman exploding all over the place. This class is just uh, it's a mess. Yeah. Some good, some bad, but it's all over the damn place. I can't tell you how many times I've adjusted my rankings each and every week. Because somebody it's, goes out there and looks like complete dog shit and someone looks like a piece of gold out there. Yeah, it's it, it's hard to keep up, um, you know. But talking about, like, wide receivers in particular, all these guys are great. I, I love all of them. You know, the guy, all the guys you just mentioned, you know, MHJ obviously is a clear number one. I feel like he's in a tier of his own. But then that tier two, I think it includes all those guys, the bleak neighbors, the Troy Franklin, the Roma Dunsey, the Worthy, the Buka. You know, there's they're six guys. I would be happy with any of them. I just don't think Worthy is my – he's not my wide receiver two anymore. You know, he's my wide receiver six in the, in, the, in the class, but that's just because of what's been going on. Everybody else is outperforming him, and he's not living up to the expectations I had for him this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't take my comments the wrong way, please. I'm not saying this wide receiver class is bad by any means. They're absolutely stacked back to the roof. Yeah, we've talked about it numerous times about how good this wide receiver class is. And for me, right now, I got it. MHJ, Neighbors, Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin. And then I feel like between Ibuka, Worthy, Adunze, they're all they're all the same. They're all what? 
five, A, B, and C. I right. feel like there's really not much separation between those three as of right now. And give me the cheapest one on draft day at the moment, to be quite honest with you. No. Hit that lag switch again, building some anticipation for something to just sputter out of his mouth. It's not going to make much sense. Oh, I'm, I am back. Oh, finally. I'm I'm loving my, my current Wi-Fi situation, um, but I was – that is exactly the same way that my rankings currently lie. I don't – I know you enunciated Troy. Did I say Trey Franklin? Did I say something wrong? Uh, you did, yes. That's okay. okay, though. Yeah, my apologies. You knew, you knew who I was talking about, though. So, uh, But I feel like those 5A, B, and C, I mean, coin flip, I wouldn't be mad with any of them. But I, I feel like there's a – you know, this whole wide receiver room, even beyond that, is still extremely good. You really can't go wrong at this point. It's going to be a strong class, I think, depending yes. on if anybody comes back to school and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I don't think MHJ stays, but, you know, some of the early enrollee or early departures could possibly stay for the senior season that we can. We don't know. Do you have any any other risers or fallers you want to hit us with? Or just the good old Xavier Worthy going down the draft board in a hurry? Well, I mean, we could put an asterisk with Emeka Buka. He's, he's there too, but for more of the JSN reason than, than anything else. Um, I will give you a riser, though. Um, it's actually Bo Nix. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Bo Nix train, my friend. I, I think that if he can – I know he's got some, some big games coming up, and I know that they lost uh, – to Washington by three or five, whatever it was. Um, but he has had a, a killer season. Again, I was watching or watching, listening to the Joe Clapp podcast. He is currently in the lead for completion percentage in a season at 78%, right above Mac Jones, who is currently the, the leader at 77 in a single season. Um, I, it's a good possibility Bonix wins the Heisman, depending on how he ends the year. Um, I'm a huge Bonix fan at this point. You, stood on that hill last year preseason and planted your flag. And, you know, I was kind of cresting the base of the flag to make sure it stayed up. Well, I'm standing right at the top holding it nice and sturdy tall for you. Uh, Bo Nix, man, I don't think there's a whole lot needs to be said. He's, you know, hitting the guys that needs to be hit, making the correct reads. He's he's making plays happen. He's doing it on the ground as well. I'm just huge Bo Nix fan. Actually, I'm a huge Oregon fan at this point. They're just, you know, say echoing a little bit of Joe Clad as well. I mean, they're definitely a top four team. They oh, are absolutely. Good. They are good. He said top two, but they are they are fucking good. Uh, they they have they have threats at every level, man. Bucky Irvin, I feel like is could be my running back one in the twenty four class. Um, Troy Franklin, right up there, top three, top four, and Bo Nix. I mean, they they've got it all, man. And he has started the most college games for a quarterback of all time at fifty five. So Yes, this is his fifth season as a full-time starter. Uh, he's played a lot of football in his lifetime. Yes. Most see that as a bad thing. Me, not so much. He's he's halfway to being a veteran in the NFL already. Yeah, I mean, I, he's only only 23. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, we're not. It's not like he's 20, Stetson Bennett, you know, 38. But Yeah, we're not, we're not talking Hinn and Hooker here. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure some people don't even have Bo Nix in their rankings. Um, he's, he's there's still lots current. of Bo Nix slander out there, plenty yeah, of it. He's, he's he's still in mine, and and he is a riser for me. He's been a riser all season. 
But when you look at mock drafts that have came out so far, it's consistently in first, second round. Yeah. So another disconnect so far between the draft, the draft side of things and the fantasy side of things. Yeah, we should be able to meet somewhere in the middle. I mean, if a guy's being drafted in the first two rounds as a quarterback being drafted, I'd, why are we not talking about him? To me, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Because these guys that are doing these mock drafts obviously know a hell of a lot more about it than we do because they're analysts and, and do that shit for their real job. And they're also tuned in with NFL teams, scouts, things like that. Yeah, they have some insider have legitimate sources. And, exactly. I just got one screaming by this week. You and I talked a lot about him on our Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. Swiss Army Knife, Jaheim Bell. Give me all the Jaheim Bell I can handle at this point. I think he's going to have an expanded role going forward this season to close it out. And I think he's going to open up a lot of eyes. He should be at the Senior Bowl. I sure hope he is. He's going to test very, very impressively. He's 6'3", 240, but he runs like a damn running back. He's Debo Samuel and a much bigger body at the tight end position. I'm trying to remember correctly. Did you did you compare him to Jatavian Sanders a little bit, too? A little bit, yeah. But he is a better athlete than Jatavian, I think. Yeah, he's well, more, he, he's actually like, been running back, taking some a good bit of snaps at running back. So I'm, I'm with you. So get your go get your Jaheim Bell while you can. I know I am. Yeah, I kind of compared him. I mean, not it's kind of a crude comparison, but I said, you know, Jalen Samuels there in Pittsburgh for a few years. He you know, kind of played a little bit of halfback, a little bit of tight end. Um, I, I think Jaheim Bell is you know, head and shoulders better than Jalen Samuels was, but that's to me is kind of a, a poor man's comparison. I'm, I'm all over Jaheim Bell, though. And now we'll move on to. Our last player-focused segment, probably my favorite segment of the show, to be honest with you, our freshman spotlight. And we just talked about Tavion Sanders, talked about Jaheim Bell. This is a perfect what, – what's that damn word, man? Man, and now I'm frozen like you are on the camera. A perfect down, lead way going into this player. It's a true freshman, Nick Harbour from South Carolina. Talk about a big boy that's an athlete, 6'5", 240, playing the tight end position. Seems like the last couple weeks he's getting more and more targets from Spencer Rattler. He's put up 50-plus yards the last two weeks. He's also had a carry in each of the games. So he is being moved around the formation, similar to what they did with Jaheim Bell. But he is rising. He's getting better and better each week. Again, he was dubbed an athlete coming out of high school, played both ways. If he played on defense, he would be a dominant defensive end, in my opinion. I think he could be a dominant tight end, although he is listed at wide receiver at the moment. But he's going to get better and better the more he plays the position as a full-time player, and I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I mean, being 6'5", 240, um, that's a big-ass dude. You know, I, I feel like that body type fits the tight end role a little bit better. Um, not saying he can't play wide receiver, but... I would like to see him, you know, maybe drop 15 pounds, be a little bit more nimbler on his feet, but he's he's a hell of a player, man. Um, he's freshman spotlight, absolutely. I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him some more. I need to do a little more homework and see some more tape out of him, but I, I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. 
in my second freshman spotlight. Again, Ooh. talked a lot about this kid on the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. True freshman at NC State, Kevin Concepcion. Again, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name or how you say it, but it's Concepcion here on the show. And he looked like the best damn player in that football game against Clemson this past Saturday. He is an absolute beast. Standing 5'11", around a buck 90, plays inside, plays outside. He can get the ball out of the backfield like he showed on his 50-yard run this past Saturday. He's been very involved week in and week out. Pretty consistent for the most part. He's he's very good. I think he's better than most of the four stars ranked ahead of him and a couple five stars. I think when everything's all said and done for this 26 class, he's going to be a top three receiver in the class heading into the draft. Oh, putting your stamp on him early. I like it. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was this the guy that we said was so fast he makes people look not fast? He makes fast people look not fast? That was not. That, that's the next guy on the list. Oh, I, I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll call him Concepcion until we we're otherwise proven proven different. Um, he's a, a kid out of currently where you live, Charlotte, North Carolina. So, you know, good to see a kid from down there doing great. Um, looked like the absolutely looked like the best player in the Clemson game. You know, he's he's been going off this season. He's already got six touchdowns through to just as many games. Um I think he only goes up from here. That's my thinking. Same with this next wide receiver, Eugene Trey Wilson III out of Florida. He had 11 receptions and 75 yards and a touchdown against the Stout Ugga defense. He torched him for three or four receptions and a touchdown on the first drive for Florida. He couldn't be stopped. He couldn't be guarded at that point. He continued to have a good day with 11 receptions. This is the one that makes fast people look not fast. He is extremely fast, 5'10", 200 pounds. So he's got a little meat on his bones for a fast, smaller, quote-unquote, receiver that a lot of people like to knock. But I love him. He's been on the field a lot this season from the jump. He's got a bright two and a half, three years ahead of him. Yeah, I feel like we're just now scraping the surface on on some of his potential. Um, it's hard to not get these extremely fast guys involved in the offense. Um, and then, like you mentioned, he's 5'10", 200 pounds. Uh, most short guys don't weigh that much. I'm calling 5'10 short, you know, whatever. Uh, but they usually weigh about a buck 80, which means, you know, a little bit of a concern when they go over the middle in the league. This guy's got 20 pounds, and I'm sure he's going to put on more weight as he continues to play down in Florida. So I, I think he's got a, like you said, over the next two and a half years, he's got a, a lot cut out for him. And I think, again, another guy that's just going to continue to rise up people's boards as they get to see his name and be more familiar with the way he plays. And he's really someone you want to keep your eye on along with Kevin Concepcion as well as Nick Harbour. They are in the southern of the U.S., you know, South Carolina, Florida, North Carolina. But you're going to want to keep your eye on them. These could end up being – some of the elite assets in the 2026 class, especially since they are getting on the field early in their freshman year compared to some of the guys that were more highly recruited and ranked ahead of them. It is awesome to see. I love seeing freshmen get the early PT. Yeah. The only bad thing that some of these guys have going for him is that, you know, where they play, they don't have the greatest of quarterback play. 
Uh, you know, you got Spencer Rattler, uh, was it Graham Mertz, and who's in season? I can't remember his state's quarterback off the top of my head right now, but you know, they're well, now it's sophomore MJ Morris. That's right. That's a little right. bit of an upgrade from Brendan Armstrong, the NC State transfer, or no, Virginia transfer. I apologize. Is that NC yeah. State? Yeah, but regardless, um, I think these guys are are just scratching the surface for all of them. They're going to continue to to rise. Now I'm I'm excited for all three of these guys, especially the the last two. Oh, I love some wide receivers on this show. Absolutely love them. But move on to our good old. Heisman top five and our top six playoff rankings. Derek, I'll let you kick it off. Take your pick of the litter. Which one? And let's hear it. Uh, pick the litter when you mean between the two subjects. Yes, sir. Unless you got another subject in mind you want to bring up. No, 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 no. Um, I think I'm going to go with my playoff rankings first, um, which is like you said earlier, uh, the actual playoff rankings are going to come out tomorrow at, at 7 p.m. So that'd be 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Um, I guess we'll start at 6. Um, mine's going to look uh, quite similar to the AP poll. Actually, I'll just start at 1. Uh, so I've got Michigan. Didn't didn't change from last time we did this. Uh, 2, I've got Georgia. Uh, 3, I've got Ohio State. I was going to say Florida State, but I don't see Ohio State Michigan play in round one. Um, and then Ohio State at four, so pretty similar. And then five, Washington, six, Oregon. Uh, pretty similar to what the AP poll has. Um, but I, I do kind of echo the same sentiments as what Joe Klatt said on his podcast. I do think Oregon is a top four team. Uh, obviously, they lost to Washington. I can't put them ahead of Washington in my current rankings, but I, Washington's got a tough schedule coming up, and I could see Oregon winning out and making it in the top four. I think I don't think we live in a world where Oregon doesn't make the playoffs this year. I hope not. So give give it to us one last time, one through six. One through six. I have got Michigan at one, Georgia at two, Ohio State at three, Florida State at four. Washington at five, Oregon at six. All right, all right. I got it. Very similar. Michigan at one, Florida State at two, Georgia at three, Ohio State at four, and I actually have Oregon at five over Washington at six. I know, I know. I'm I'm batshit crazy. Oregon lost head-to-head against Washington, but I think they're the better team. And that's what the college football playoff is about, getting the quote-unquote four best teams in. Whatever your definition of that is subjective. But yeah. to me, Oregon is the better team. So I got them ranked ahead. It's it's hard to to say that considering they played head-to-head and lost. Um, trust me, I had the same thing. I was really wanting to put Oregon ahead of Washington. I think Oregon top to bottom is the better football team. Uh, it'll It'll play out in the end. I think Oregon makes it over Washington anyways. Um, but because of the head-to-head currently, I, I couldn't do that. I just, to me, it didn't make sense. And I, I have to, I know Ohio State's not playing great, but they're currently the second scoring defense in the country, uh, right behind your Michigan Wolverines. And they have the best resume so far this season. They've got two uh, top 10 victory, victories against top 10, and, and Notre Dame is looking like a hell of a team still. So um, I'm not 
not dog dog walking you for saying they're four because I have them one ahead at three. But you know, I just I to me, I, I don't think I can take a State out of the top four unless they lose. See, they would be a three if they didn't struggle again against Wisconsin. Just the offense, man. It's I don't think they have a national championship offense. The defense is very good. They don't I, have to. I, just, I mean, they're thirty eighth, th- number thirty eight in scoring scoring offense. So, um, I think they average about thirty points a game, thirty two points a game. You know, not not anything crazy, but I, I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But 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 let let's bring up their schedule and what they've done this season and where they've scored those thirty eight points a game. Because right now, if memory serves me right, they haven't done really much against competition. Indiana, 23. Notre Dame, 17. Penn State, 20. Wisconsin, 24. So not scoring over 24 points against the best opponents they played. This day and age, I don't think 24 points is going to win you a playoff game. That's my reasoning for having them at four. I just don't think the offense, once they play the better defenses and the better teams, Kyle McCord shits the bed. I I think that Ohio State on offense is going to be more conservative and uh, hold Kyle McCord not back but accountable more. I think it's going to be a lot – as long as Henderson can stay healthy, uh, we're going to see a lot more of what we saw this past weekend, Henderson 150-plus rushing yards. And hopefully, mine Williams gets some gets some play time as well. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you because the offense has been extremely lackluster and uh, com- compared to years past. Uh, you know, as a Buckeye fan, I'm used to scoring 50 points a game, but we're on the flip side of this. The last three out of the four years, we've had a plus 30th ranked defense points per game allowed, um, and top three in scoring points a game. So we're on we're complete inverse of years past. That hasn't worked in years past. So let's see if it works this year. We shall see. It'll be interesting. Next I can't. Three, I can't. What, I weeks? can't wait for the the Michigan game, man. I'm I'm excited for it. Oh, wait, we're getting closer this week against Rutgers. I think will be an interesting one on the road against former OC or was he the DC? He was one of those two former coordinator, Greg Schiano. It'll be interesting to see that matchup. He was OC. But between that and you know Michigan State, Minnesota, guys have put up a shit ton of points against those two. Yeah, and then you get stonewalled for the third straight year. Moving on to our we'll Heisman see. rankings, I'll kick this one off with my boy JJ McCarthy still reigning at number one. Michael Penix number two, and Jordan Travis has reappeared at number three. Then I got your boy Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four. I think he's making a very strong push to be in New York for the ceremony. And then I have Jaden Dean was a number five. I, he just looks so damn good and putting up those mind-blowing stats. It's hard to not think of him when you think of the Heisman Trophy right now. Yeah, I mean, mine's going to look very similar. I'm going to switch one guy out for a different guy, but um, no, well, I guess we'll probably talk about it. Um, I've got, I've got JJ at one as well, kind of chuckling as I say that hard to say uh, but he has looked you know the most impressive quarterback in college football still for this year so I, I gotta give that to you uh, number two I've got Bo Nix number three I've got Michael Penix 
Number four, I've got MHJ. And number five, I've got the uh, same as you, Jalen Daniels. Jordan Travis was not in my list. Um, honestly, I expected bigger things for him this year, having the weapons he's had. Obviously, the weapons haven't quite panned out, uh, but I've been a fan of, of Daniels all season. He's willed this team through every single game and is, you know, if this team was undefeated, he'd be number one. He, he, to me, he's right up there with J.J. looking as the second most impressive quarterback in college football. And I'm with you on MHJ. Um, I think he's at, I can't remember, his five or six straight games with 100-plus receiving yards. Um, he's I think outside of the first game of the year, he's had 100-plus. Yeah, every base, every every single. I think I think you're right. Every single game, um, it's it's not the Devontae Smith season we saw a few years back, but um, I don't think there's any shadow of a doubt he is the best wide receiver in college football. Uh, people know that he's getting the ball, getting targeted 12, 13, 14 times a game, and he's still coming up with eight, ten catches a game, hundred plus yards, and a couple touchdowns. He's he's the guy. This offense, Ohio State's offense, has the most success giving him the ball, and it's like good luck stopping it. Yeah, every weekend when I do my college football bets, he's in there somewhere, whether it's the yards or the touchdowns. At this point, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with either. I mean, he's got – I think he's got three or four or two touchdown games this season. Um, I mean, he, he is the sole proprietor, proprietary offensive key cog for Ohio State's offense. Uh, Trey Ryan Henderson, 160 yards this past week, the first time we've had a run game all year. Yeah, yeah, it has. We'll see if that can continue or how they balance that out. So we didn't see much of Mayan or Chip Trainum. So it'll be interesting to see now finally fully healthy outside of Ibuka how this offense is going to run the next handful of weeks. But I think that's it for us, man. I got nothing left for this evening. You got anything else? Uh, No, other than OH. I owe. I knew you wanted to say it. Thank you, buddy. Oh, no, that's going to be edited out. All they're going to hear is go blue. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Of Our course, you can TV. find us at X. What was that, sir? Huh? That's what I thought. I heard a little birdie say hardball sucks something, but I didn't hear what it was. No, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Find us all on X at gum7285. At D underscore Cook 93, and that's spelled K O C H. You can find the podcast at gridiron underscore FS. If you could, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us on. We would greatly appreciate it. It really helps us out. And also, I guess I'll just drop it now. Me and you talked a little bit about it the other day. We're going to be doing a gridiron fantasy show C2C league next year. So if you are interested in being in a C2C league, hit up one of us on Twitter or the podcast page for additional details. Working through the bylaws right now, but we pretty much have our setup of the Dynasty Debbie Leagues that we play in scoring-wise and rosters and all that. Just put it on a new sheet of paper, C2C terms. Yeah, if you're interested in that, hit us up and we can try to get you in there next season. But appreciate you for listening. We'll see you again this Saturday on our Destination Debbie College Football Show. Is the C2C going to be IDP? No, no, no. Okay. Not ready for all those fan tracks problems. I hear that. We're waiting for Sleeper to catch up with times. But thanks for listening. Absolutely. See ya.